You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 109 for Monday the 2nd of April 2018. Today's guest is John Cronshaw, a self-published sci-fi and dystopian author. It's the third time on the podcast for John. We met at Carlisle's Borderlines Book Festival in 2016 and at that time John was about to self-publish his first book. When I spoke to him in January 2017, he'd just got that first book written. At the time of recording this, he's got 10 books listed on Amazon in various configurations, including short stories, box sets, and audiobooks. He's also started to collaborate with other authors now, and he's building up his appearances at live events. When John and I chatted for the podcast, I started by asking him about the biggest changes in his indie author career since we'd last spoken. I think the main thing is taking collaboration by the horns, um, I think if you'd have spoken to me last time, I might have been a bit iffy about the idea of collaborating with other authors. Um, but basically, I found two people who I've been working with for probably about, I think it was the end of September, early October, something like that. We started chatting um, and we've just been working together on different projects. Like We've got a post-apocalyptic trilogy that we've drafted together. So we've got three books that we've written between, you know, between us and then. Um, we've got a podcast that we're going to be doing where we'll be releasing short story collections every month. So we've got this and we're helping each other with things like, you know, bouncing ideas about outlines if we're getting stuck with stories. So stuff like that has been really good. And if you'd have asked me a year ago whether I would be one of these collaborative authors, I would have said absolutely not. I'm too much of a control freak. But no, the people have found it great. So. Yeah, it's perfect. And you see, I'm in the, exactly the same place as you. I mean, I know you listen to my diaries sometimes, and I, you know, I always say I, I don't play well with others. Um, by which I mean, you know, I find it difficult. I just, I find it, you know, it, it fudges the issue for me. I'm very used to getting my head down and getting on with things, and then when you become a committee, I'm worried about becoming a committee. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the way you started in the same place and you're enjoying it. And I know, you know, you and I have got close links now with Hawk and Cleaver, who are a story student. The four guys work together there, and I've kind of got like it's like it's like a flame, you know. I almost want to put my hand into it to see if it burns with this collaboration. And you've done it, and you love it by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's it's really great. I think what has what I found really rewarding about it is, you know, writing is usually a solitary thing. You've got your head down, you're trying to work out problems yourself. If I've got a problem with a storyline, I just go, oh, I can't figure this out, and then Lynn or Killian will just go do this or you know here's an idea why not try this and it might not be what i go for but it's having that kind of sounding board and just um you know people who are in the story with you kind of doing it it's it's really really helpful and it's it's just less lonely i suppose as well in the kind of practical thing of it it feels more like um when i was working at a newspaper where you'd be you know talking to other journalists and you know, more of a kind of collaborative thing where we, we've all got to get this thing done together. We've got our own deadlines and things like that. So, yeah, it's been just really good. 
Yeah, I interviewed um, Martha Carr from uh, 20 Books to 50K fame. And it's funny, um, I, like you, was reluctant about collaboration. And when I heard Martha's talk at 20 Books in London, I thought never has collaboration sounded more appealing to me when, when I listened to what Martha had to say. And, and, and the secret seems to be that, you know, she kind of knows what she's doing and she's very organised. Uh, presumably, you know, you've got to have a bit of that when you're collaborating with people. Otherwise, it's like herding cats. <laughs> well, I think I think it's finding the right people. I, I think if I was to just go out and go, I want to collaborate with someone, please join me. I don't think it would work. I think I've been lucky that I was, you know, I've been friends online with these people for best part of a year at least before, you know, we kind of suggested this idea as a joke. Um, and it was just to do, I think it was just to do like a little um, short story kind of thing. And then it's just kind of spiraled from there, really. So yeah, I mean, the, it, I think there's a lot of different ways as well of doing it. I mean, the um, Martha Carr's thing is, you know, it's about the shared universe. So it's about kind of having different stories told around this kind of same central world. And um, what we've done with uh, Black Death series is we've got an event, which is basically post-antibiotic Britain, um, and then a plague-like disease returns basically like the black death and we've got three point of view characters so we've got all our stories three separate stories all in the same world kind of interweaving and then in the final book they're all coming together for the kind of big finale of the series so the last book has been the most difficult to do because you know we're having a lot more kind of right our characters are appearing in each of the scenes and things like that but it's yeah it's just been really fun to do um and just yeah really a lot of fun <laughs> and at the moment though i believe your uh everything's being held up by a slightly more basic problem which is uh getting the banking sorted out yeah <laughs> so i mean i i think when i was at the 20 books conference which is what a month ago now at least mm. um i think we just started getting all the bank stuff together um and I think I received my thing to sign the week after. And I've had to send it to Canada because Lynn is a Canadian-based author. Um, and then we've, we're just basically having uh, Lloyd's documents going between different countries. Um, so I don't know how many, um, you know, what our carbon footprint is for this application, but it's, it's bound to be pretty big. <laughs> now, I can remember setting up a company with somebody uh, in the UK. I didn't even think it would be possible to get a bank account with a third party in a different country. Has that been straightforward? Um, luckily, Lynn is a British citizen, ah. and it does, it does have a UK address as well as living abroad. So um, I think we're lucky in that respect. I mean, um, yeah, there's still, you know, one of us is based in Northern Ireland, me and Morecambe, and then, yeah, the guy in... Canada so yeah I think the LLP was really easy to set up so we've got a company set up we've got a website that's been built um you know uh Killian who is um one of the collaborators he he's really good with website stuff and um Lynn's really good with uh, kind of detailed data analysis and um yeah his job is basically sitting in front of spreadsheets and making spreadsheets and things like that and then I think I'm more of the um, outlier in the sense I'm more of a kind of, I think I, I, I create a good uh, symbiotic thing, like I'll find connections between different ideas 
and then kind of go, well, instead of having this and this, we can combine them. And then, you know, like we did with the Attacker on Writing podcast, which is we wanted a writing podcast, maybe had an idea for an anime kind of tie in, maybe. And then we had ideas for releasing monthly short story collections. And so we're kind of pulling all those things together into one thing. So we're doing a, you know, writers looking at Japanese cartoons, seeing what we can learn, transforming them into short stories, like kind of brainstorming ideas around them and then releasing them every month. So we're kind of going to be having the tie-in to the books, back to the podcast, back to the books, and kind of keep building up like that every month. So I've got to ask you, are you creating a story studio? Um, I, well, we've, we've set up a press. We've got no, no World Press, which is the publishing company that release, releases to Funder. Um, I think a story studio, to me at least, implies broader kind of sense of storytelling so at the minute we are just focused on books releasing books but i mean if we end up you know writing screenplays or radio plays or things like that then i think yeah maybe we could be classed as a studio but i think it's for me i think it needs to be more than just um you know basically writing books together if that makes sense and I always wonder how, how do you manage the money here? Because um, you know, with with books, these things go for seventy years after your death, for instance. So you know, you're looking at something uh, commitment that's longer than marriage, frankly. Um, you know, longer than kids, longer than <laughs> yeah. marriage. Uh, <laughs> I was nervous yeah. about getting married. You know, so uh, how how um, have you organised those things? And particularly, um, I mean, you've got another British citizen there, so I guess is it all kind of British law? Mm. Yeah, so we, it's it's all within that. So yeah, so we've got a limited liability partnership, and we split it three ways. We've got basically an agreement set up where, um, unless someone kind of pulls out or whatever, then we get twenty five percent of the profits each, and then the other twenty five percent goes back into the business for investment or for building it up in terms of marketing and things like that. So, um, yeah, we've we've got that kind of set up and then obviously that will just link to our estates and things like that. So yeah, we, I suppose that's it really. It's dead serious. This, isn't it? Very serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a, a big learning curve, but uh, luckily, um, you know, one of the, one of the partners has done this sort of thing before he's set up businesses and things like that. So he was able to kind of take the lead on that and just go, right, you need to sign this bit. This is this. So <laughs> it was, yeah, probably a lot easier than it could have been. Now, I, I follow what you do in a in a friendly stalker kind of way uh, on social <laughs> media and on your podcast. I'm very interested in what you're doing all of the time. Um, and you're, you're, you've gone very broad. So when you and I first spoke, you hadn't even got your first book published. And now you've got mm. a lot of fingers in a lot of very interesting pies, I think. Um, you're really kind of, it feels to me like you really are creating a... Uh, an author, a creative business now. You've really moved on in that way, I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it's it's growing and it's going to continue to grow. And I've got um, – <laughs> I was I was telling uh, my wife yesterday, like, I, I was walking Digit the other day. Um, he's my new guide dog. He's he's wonderful. Hey, we're talking um, about Digit. Don't worry. I've got, I've got a special <laughs> section for Digit. Don't oh, worry. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, so I, I was out walking the other day, and I came up with this great idea for a um, – a new sci-fi series. And then I just thought to myself, well, right. Okay. I'll do that. 
once I've finished, um, you know, reading the Black Death series, and then I've got Wasteland Book 4, I've got Blind Gambit to finish, and then I've got these uh, two fantasy series that I want to write. So I've got enough to keep me going for a long time. Um, so, yeah, it, there's a lot, a lot of different things that I'm trying to do in terms of just kind of growing. I suppose it's my brand as an author as well, because I'm very conscious that I don't want to be one of these authors who is known for just post-apocalyptic stuff, which is why I've made a real kind of conscious effort to lay out early on uh, with my short story collections, fantasy, science fiction, post-apocalyptic. Like, they're the genres that I'm interested in. And this latest book is uh, lit RPG, so it's, you know, set in a video game world. Um, but I'm also using it. It's, all, it's one of these books that I'm doing for myself as a um, kind of passion project in the sense that it is about um, dealing with blindness and visual impairment and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of different channels and a lot of different revenue streams that I want to build up. So the audio and the um, you know the ebooks and things like that. So, yeah, um, I know that your wife is um, getting proofreading qualifications too. Is this also kind of part of the broader business plan that the two of you can then work in the business together and the proofreading side of things is just another way of another income stream? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, this, this part of it is, I think, um, you know, doing it to kind of help me out to cut costs on editing and things like that. But, you know, we're looking at setting up our own business as well. So setting up a, um, our own LLP so we can pull our, basically our author business, our publishing business together. So, yeah, so we, we, we're looking at that very seriously. Um, and who knows where it will go really with, with, with her stuff. I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, she's really enjoying the proofreading. She's very good at it. Um, um, she's, you know, she's, she did my PhD thesis and has done a lot of, proofreading for me over the years and she's got a really good eye for structure and cohesion and things like that so yeah i think i think she'll be great at it what would we do without our wives eh? my, my wife had to type my dissertation these were the days i'm so old these was when it was typewriter when my wife did my <laughs> dissertation and she's been like lumbered ever since she because she she also reads my books for me too she's just read my latest one and finished it today you know so they they really cop for it our wives don't they yeah, well, I mean, especially with mine, because she's, um, I, I don't think she even likes my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th I think it's, you know, she's very much into literary fiction. And, you know, um, I think basically if it's won the Booker Prize, then she'll give it a read. But uh, Or if it was published between, eight, you know, before 1840 or something. But, uh, yeah, now she, re she reads all my stuff. And she's always like, are you, are you sure this is what the genre requires? <laughs> it's like, yes. So. I don't know. She wants more kind of, I suppose, deeper um, kind of what's it called? Like deeper characterization in terms of like heavy backstory and um, heavy on the kind of naval gazing stuff. And it's like, well, that really won't work for this genre at all. It'll, I'll get pans. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. knowing, knowing the readers. And I suppose, I think she's starting to kind of come around to that in a way. Cause you know, she's, saying that it's not just a hobby for me. So, yeah. 
Well, it, it's you know it's gone amazingly. I mean, we would. I know. I know. I'm um, the next Borderlines. They've set the date for the next Borderlines, which is a, a Carlisle book festival. You and I met at that. Well, it'll be about a year and a half mm. ago, and you've you've just created astonishing uh, change. I was talking to somebody else who who does presentations at those uh, today, actually, and uh, I was saying to her, you know, I, I look I look out and I, I think most of these people aren't ever going to even finish the book, let alone do mm. what's required. But you are a sterling example of the person who was there who did like about ten times more than what's required. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, it's, it's it's just you know, it's it's what I want to do. So it's it's yeah, it's this will go back to a, a job that I'm you know that I find soul destroying. So yeah, this is my motivation. I uh, you know got to do it. Just a little bit of a technical question. Um, you, you said you've got an LLP. Now, uh, for most businesses, LLP, I think, is a structure that a lot of the Americans use. But LLP is a structure you could use in the UK. And I know I've, I think I looked at LLP before because of certain tax advantages. It is actually an LLP you've gone for, not limited or sole trader. No, no, it's LLP, yeah. It is, and it is because of the, basically, we don't really have to do a lot in terms of uh, tax. There's no kind of uh, tax band for it to start with. So I think I think we basically we have to like earn over you know a very significant level for um, it not to be just caught under our own uh, tax uh, returns if that makes sense. Yeah, LLPs have huge advantages with buying things like houses and cars. By the way, so um, uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, home, we might you know home offices and things. Yeah, so you could do yeah. amazing things with LLPs. I know I looked at LLPs when I was in internet marketing, and I because uh, I'm a chicken and uh, very nervous about these things. I thought, well, oh, this this looks too good to be true. Um, a lot of mm. the things you could do in it. I know you're not going to do them, but a lot of the things you can do in an LLP if you really push the boat out. Um, I sort of felt that that was uh, ripe for a bit of retrospective retrospective legislation where somebody's going to come and bite you but you're not going to do any of that but you um, you can push the boat out with an LLP and and do some quite crazy things which was how it was presented to me at the internet marketing thing I know a lot of people who did it as well a lot of kind of big marketers uh, which wasn't me at the time but um, yeah if you ever if you ever need to know how to push a LLP let me know there's an accountant who specializes in them Um, (laughs) right (laughs) when the money starts to roll in give us a shout well exactly yeah that's it that's it. It's just very interesting. I've not heard of anybody else go for an LLP. I didn't think anybody else even knew what they were. So, you know, <laughs> in in sort of common knowledge, it's not a common knowledge thing, I don't think, LLPs. No, I think I think just for what we're doing, I think it just serves, you know, we had to look at all the different kind of whether to do an LLC or limited, you know, this was the one that kind of ticked the most boxes for what we wanted from the business. So, yeah. Fantastic. Now, let's talk about 20 Books London because this is the big sort of event in all of our lives, I think, uh, recently. Um, I, I was bigging it up a long time on my podcast, saying, you know, it's going to be the big self-publishing event in the UK. There won't be anything like it. Did I, did I over-big it up, or was it was it about right? No, I think I think it was it was fantastic. I think the um, – I can't remember if I mentioned this to you, but, like, you know, the talks that I went to, um, personally, I didn't get that much from them in terms of new knowledge or anything like that, but – I met a lot of really cool people who I'm still in touch with. I met people I've been speaking to for a while. I've put names to faces, things like that. So the networking and just having a kind of shared language with people and a shared interest because, you know, none of my friends are indie authors outside of the, you know, the virtual Facebook space. So um, it's just really cool to have those discussions. Um, I think of the talks, I think Barry Hutchinson has probably had the biggest impact on me. Um, he did a talk about 
I think he called it bookstrapping, um, which is basically trying to launch a book by spending as little money as possible. Um, now, I've got a pen name, which is a um, basically writes the same genre. He writes, um, I say he, you know, as if it's another person. <laughs> but, he, you know, it's, it's comedic sci-fi. And I, I launched this book, I think it was at the end of last year, maybe October. And I, I think it sold less than 10 copies, including Kindle Unlimited reads. So it was a flop. So um, that kind of gave me the kick up the backside to relaunch it and re-kind of position it. And, you know, I happened to get chatting to someone at the conference called Charlie Finn, who does um, Sapphire Design. And I'm in another, like a smaller author group with her. And I kind of clicked that she was the person who had said, oh, I'm going to give people free book covers if they ask me. I forgot to ask her at the conference, and then it kind of dawned on me. And I mentioned um, this thing about doing the relaunch, and she said in this group, oh, you know, if you want a cover, I'll do it. It's like, yes. (laughs) So she did a really cool cover um, that, you know, really kind of hit the genre and um, kind of hit the bootstrapping thing that I was trying to do with it. So, yeah, no, like just all the – and, yeah, just the meeting the people as well. You know, I got to meet meet Alison in person, who I've been chatting to online and stuff for quite a while. And, um, you know, I got to meet my business partner for the first time in person as well. So that was good. <laughs> so, Helps, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So just, you know, going going for a pint with him and, you know, just kind of, um, I think we hung around a lot during the conference. So just getting to know him more kind of face-to-face, you know, because obviously I've only spoken to him on, like, google hangouts and on facebook messenger and things before so yeah it was really good really good there's another one uh, in edinburgh i think it is next year is, is it something you're gonna you know make an effort to get to or will you will you i think, I think so yeah mm. yeah i think so i mean just as i say you know I'm, I, I might not necessarily get something from it in terms of the uh you know the lectures or the education side of it but the networking is just invaluable I think you and I can probably commute that one, you know. I was trying to work it out uh, because it's in um, Edinburgh Fringe Zone, I think, isn't it? And Edinburgh costs a fortune. So I was trying to work yeah. out whether I could keep out an hour from Carlisle. So I, I reckon I'll commute it rather than hotel it. I think it'd be a lot <laughs> cheaper. And you could probably just about do the same from Lancaster, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not so bad. A couple of hours, what, three hours maybe to Edinburgh, yeah. It's not too bad, is it? So, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I was thinking. I thought, well, I'll probably buy a ticket anyway. And, and remarkably, have you ever been to an event where they gave you, was it a 50 quid, a 60 quid refund at the end of it? I know. That was, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, and a, and a really cool nail pad. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm writing with my 20 books pen right now. I'm using it for scribbles. And I love it. I love the weight of it. And uh, uh, see, mine, mine ran out of ink pretty much straight away. I was oh, no. oh, shoddy, shoddy. <laughs> well, I've fallen in love with yeah. mine and I'm going to shed a tear when my uh, mine runs out because I, I, it's just a lovely weight for writing. I've got very used to mm. my favourite now. So uh, I need to go to Edinburgh to get more. I think the pad was, so <laughs> more, was more swag. Exactly. Yeah. I need to, I need swag. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was, it was a great event. It was lo- lovely to meet up with everybody. Now, when we spoke last time, you thought that you might just have digit uh, in time for London. And in the oh, end, yeah. you, you just missed it. Didn't you by, by the skin of your teeth? Oh, I, I had him. He, he was at my house at that point. Um, basically he wasn't fully qualified as a guide dog. I'd just come off guide dog training on the, I think it was the Thursday and then the next day it was to London. So, you know, I didn't really have much of a, uh, you know, downtime because the, uh, the guide dog training was really intense. 
it's like a two weeks residency in a basically a hotel near Bolton. Um, and so we did a, you know, training with Digi and I thought while I was there, oh, you know, I'll be able to get some writing done in the downtime. And it was just so intense. That I didn't get any done. So yeah, it was, uh, very, I don't know. I'm just really glad to have a guide dog back because, you know, for the last two years, um, I've been without a dog and I just kind of didn't realize how much of a, um, what's the word? It just, it, how much of an independence it gives you having the dog and, uh, not feeling as afraid to kind of go out by myself because going around with a cane, it's like, um, I mean, yeah, with a dog, you go around, you don't notice obstacles because the dog will guide you around with a cane. You're almost reacting to everything, every little obstacle, everything. It's like, you've, it's a really different way of kind of engaging with the world. So, um, yeah, I'm just so glad to have a dog back. It's brilliant. Well, I, I want I want to go to this a little bit because um, I'm really interested in your uh, your Blind Gambit book, uh, which talks about your experiences. Um, would you describe your vis- visually impaired? I think is is that, is that how we describe yeah. you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, like my left eye is useless, and it's a bit like um, I always describe it as being a bit like looking through a toilet roll tube with your right eye. So I've got a bit of central vision in my right eye. My left eye is like looking through just really blurry stained glass. So, um, yeah, so Blind Gambit is basically, I'm picking the lit RPG genre because I can, um, you know, I can make it fun. It's it's about a video game world. It's um, that kind of, the side of it is almost a very, um, you know, a simple hero's journey kind of plot where the main guy has to, you know, go through all these challenges and do things with mentors and, you know, build up in order to take on this big challenge but then alongside this, I've got this real world stuff where the main piece of speculative technology within this kind of world is this thing I'm calling a bee chip, which is essentially a, a implant that you get in the basic brain that allows people with visual impairment to kind of uh, see within a virtual world. So it kind of bypasses the optic nerve. I mean, there's a lot of... <laughs> I could go into the technicals, but well, I don't... It's like, like Geordie in Star Trek, The Next Generation. Is it that kind of... His, his visor did something like that, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you imagine it would be like if you... You couldn't see the world, the real world at all, but then you could close your eyes and, you know, go into a video game. Um, so it's, it's that kind of thing. And the idea is, is that the, you know, the video game world is at risk. And then within... The real world, you've got this kid who's, you know, he's about 16. He's kind of coming to the terms with the fact that he's, he's just lost his sight. Um, his mum's getting at him about, you know, you need to get support, you need to get help, and he doesn't want support. And, you know, there's all these different kind of things that have, you know, they've all run through my head about independence and about um, just kind of dealing with, um, you know, almost coming to terms with something like that and kind of accepting that, yes, you do, need support but at the same time um you know there's a lot of value in doing things like being allowed to make your own mistakes and um learning from um i suppose just in the way that everybody else learns where you know the worst thing i think you can do for someone who is blind is to move them away from things and to stop them from doing things they need to make the mistakes and they need to hurt themselves and things like that so they learn like everybody else learns um, so it's about that, and it's you know I'm using it as to kind of explore some um, issues that have been really kind of difficult for me to explore. But um, I think you know now I've done the first draft. I've finished the first draft today as I'm talking to you, 
I think it's it's the best thing I've written. You know, it's the most raw and honest thing I've written as well. So yeah, it's yeah, I'm really pleased with it. Well, I, I'm going to make a Teague podcast prediction because with my um, kind of reporting head on, my kind of my instinct for what makes a good story with radio and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I think this one could kind of be very easily be the book that brings you to a wider audience because to me it has all the constituent parts in that you are visually impaired. So as you say, it's extremely raw uh, and personal, but also because you're tackling something quite quite unique and something mm. that a lot of people will have an experience of and that probably won't be articulated very often in 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 books um you know in, in the way that you've done it so it, to me this has I, I can see it all now you see because with my local radio head on thinking right what makes a good guest because it's a great talking point because you you experience the same issues as your character does you've got mm. digit which looks great on the telly <laughs> and uh, you, know, you know i can see you see it's i think it's perfect so mm. i i gotta tell you i would press release this one oh def- definitely i mean you know i've got my eyes on um you know this things like the guide dogs magazine and yes. um, the rnib radio and things like that so you know i'm kind of looking at that and yeah i'm gonna this is gonna be a very different tactical launch in the sense that it is going to be more about traditional media than the rest of my stuff. Um, because, yeah, I think, you know, I, I did an article the other day for The Guardian, which is about um, just kind of issues people have with guide dog access. Um, and, you know, just thinking about that and thinking about how this ties in, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to people about these issues. And, you know, if it does tie into what I'm doing with my book, then all the better. But, you know, I'm, passionate about these issues anyway so um yeah i think i think it'll be really really good if i can kind of get that and you know i think doing the piece with the guardian i can leverage that as well and you know kind of hopefully it'll kind of feed on the you know i find i found this when i was working in the press it's like you almost look at what the other uh papers are doing and then you know it's like well why aren't we doing this so you know there's almost like a self-feeding thing that goes on within traditional press so yeah i'm going to um definitely exploit that well you've got an official paul's podcast prediction on that one all right so <laughs> you heard it here first i think that's going to fly that one because i think that's got media all over it do you know janet murray by the way um have you heard of janet murray yeah why do i know that name look, yeah look her up. she's press she's a press lady i think she's got involvement yeah. with the guardian but she's all about um making the most of your press um uh, she's on oh, Facebook. Oh, she does the PR thing. Does, yeah. does she do a PR podcast? That's is that what it is? Soulful PR? Is that's that the one? Yeah. 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 There we go. I knew I knew her name. Yeah. 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 Well, well, just put her on your radar because um, that's got press all over it, that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. And, um, you know, guide dogs are interested as well. And so, yeah, it's... It, it's got all the prerequisites for a great story. You know, it's a great... You know, <laughs> you're, you're a good guy. It's just got everything, John. So just trust me. It's got everything. Go for it. It, 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 needs, yep. it needs to go press, that one. Uh, yeah <laughs> they'll love it um so, <laughs> so uh but i think the concept's great i just love it um you know it's such a strong uh concept i, I just love everything about it so because uh, you know as i say i stalk you in a healthy way and listen to all this uh <laughs> honestly it is it is healthy it's only professional interest honestly um mm. which brings me to your author podcast which is where i hear a lot of this stuff um i think you started that since i i, I feel like i've been listening to it for a long time but I don't think you'd started that when we last spoke, had you? No, I think I think it was. It probably wasn't too long after. I think I'd just put out the twenty second episode, so I've been doing them every week. So I've been I've been doing it for nearly six months. Well, I like it. I uh, I look forward to um, arriving on a Sunday 
Um, and, and, and I always have a listen. And is that you playing guitar at the beginning, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So be. that was just me noodling, noodling on the guitar. But it <laughs> works, you know, it's really relaxing. I got some frenetic thing on my crypto thing that like, <laughs> it's like, you know, scares the life out of everybody when it comes on. But I just, I really like yours. It's always like, just nice for Sunday that it's like, ooh, yeah, sit down yeah. and listen to John. It's nice. Yeah. Now I, want, I wanted it to be a bit like, um, I don't know, like a kind of craft corner almost the way <laughs> I mean, it was like on, on, what was it, Heartbeat, I think it was, the, uh, you know, Tony Hart thing. So. That's right, yeah. Oh, the, the Potter's Wheel, th- uh, no, yeah, oh, the, gallery. Uh, the gallery, yeah, do, 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 yeah, yeah. Dum, dum, just, yeah, that's the one. Well, I, I really enjoy of... it. It's, it's a very good um, podcast. How do you sort of put it together? How long does it take you to put together something? Not long. I sit there, I record it, and then I do a quick kind of, edit where I usually just get rid of the long pauses where I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next and then just yeah I think in total I'd probably spend about an hour on a Sunday doing it so yeah it's just kind of quick really. And you do get a lot of questions um, from readers by the sound of it do do, do yeah are, are, are they i know in local radio when it was a bit quiet and we're not allowed to do this anymore because they stopped us but we used to <laughs> we used to make them up you know you just say right. oh flossie's calling and she's you know she <laughs> says anybody seen a lost cat or whatever but um uh, you seem to have a good flow of questions coming yeah i mean it's not it's not every week you know i'll get i'll get some and then you know sometimes i'll get a flurry it's usually because I, I i put a thing now in my um my mailing list just saying you know if you've got any questions for me to answer on the podcast well and um i also i mean to start with to kind of get that rolling i did a thing where i said you know the most ent- you know judged by me the most entertaining question will get a paperback so there was you know an incentive there to get the questions rolling and i think you know with those sort of things it feeds on itself so yeah if people hear questions or the opportunity then they ask them, so yeah, it's good. I'll have to try that. The most interesting question doesn't get one of my paperbacks. I'll have to see how that goes. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I, I think what what it was is I, I basically had um, I've got about a hundred quid in um, stuck in an Amazon gift card on Amazon.com. <laughs> I needed something to spend it on, so you know there are free uh, paperbacks because of that. So I've, I've changed that now. I'll get checks, but. <laughs> yeah. I've got to ask you about your live readings, because la- last time I think you'd stood up at some kind of open mic night or something in, in, oh, in yeah. Lancaster, I think it was. Was it the Story Institute or something? I was expressing yeah, yeah. horror at the way you do this. Oh, well, <laughs> I've been invited to do another thing on next Sunday. At the, I've been, I did the last one, end of the Pier Festival in Morecambe. I just did a kind of um, impromptu reading there, and then I've been invited to the one on next Sunday. And um, tomorrow I've got a meeting with the organiser of the... Morecambe Steampunk Festival about doing something there. So, yeah, I'm trying to get these kind of, um, you know, author events and nice little kind of um, just, I mean, I think I've mentioned it before, you know, having things to talk about that isn't just about buy my book, but, hey, I'm doing a reading, isn't this cool? Or, you know, I'm going to this place. And, um, I mean, I think I think the steampunk thing is going to have a panel with Michael Morcock on. So I'm going to kind of try and get into that because you know i I love his books so (laughs) you know if i can get in on that that'll be awesome so yeah brilliant but i I mean uh when i listened to your author diary i think it was last sunday's the one i was listening to um i I felt a little bit better about you doing all this because i think you've done kind of a lot of performance stuff in the past and you've been in a band and things like that so you're quite hardened to it by the sounds of it yeah 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 now i I suppose i say yeah i've I've, you know I'm, i'm I think actually I, I used to be really shy with stuff like that. And I think being in a band and being in 
the type of band that we were in, which was just really stupid. And, you know, we did it to get laughs and whatever. So, you know, the fact that I just stood up there and it was ridiculous. I think that kind of really helped me kind of come out of my shell in terms of confidence performing in front of people because, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you just get laughed at or heckled and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think with uh, literary things, you know, with readings, I think people are polite and, you know, you they'll just go, you know, even if it's rubbish, I think they'll be kind to you. So, yeah, no, it's fine. I still wouldn't dare do it. Um, the, the, the other thing that, um, <laughs> you've been at for ages is this Ray Bradbury challenge. I see your your posts and how long have you been doing this you've done it longer than you're supposed to haven't you no no it's it's a thousand days doing this um and i'm i'm in the late 500s now so yeah I've, i'm past the halfway point <laughs> you got some grit i'll give you that i mean because that that really is i wouldn't even take that challenge on that's like <laughs> for good you know for goodness sake and what is it just remind me what it is it's really it's, it's every day yes it's a short story essay poem every day for a thousand days so and yeah, you, and you can listen, can't you? Because you, you listen yeah, as yeah. well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's. I mean, to be honest, I think the only stuff that I do now that um, isn't listening is, um, you know, non-fiction on Kindle because I can do the, you know, I don't mind the robot voice on non-fiction, but when it comes to fiction, I need a, you know, a good narrator really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then um, the other thing that I get from you talking about doing the Ray Bradbury challenge is that you. Uh, it constantly nourishes your creativity. You're constantly saying, you know, I got an idea or that gave me an idea for this or I use that. So I think there's a little lesson to be learned in there as well. Well, I, I mean, it's like anything you are, what you consume, you know, and if I'm consuming a thousand stories over however long, three years or whatever, wherever it'll be, I think, um, you know, I'll have a lot of uh, stuff to inspire me. I mean, poetry, especially, you know, when I started this, I wasn't really a, interested in poetry and you know i think i've developed tastes in poetry poetry that i like poetry that i don't i know you know things that i enjoy with poems so no i think that's really good and it, i think it's helped with my writing as well in terms of just kind of structuring stuff on a sentence level and kind of making just the choice of words being more important than i think it once was I want to dig into what you're using to promote at the moment. How you how you sort of getting your stuff um, out there? Um, what what's what's working and what's not for you at the moment? Um, let's see. I mean, what's working for me is um, cross promotion with other authors, um, doing things like anthologies. Um, I've got a couple of pieces in anthologies. Um, finding new ways to use things like Insta Freebie because I think that the both has kind of sailed on the, um, you know, the gathering a big mailing list from it and hoping that they'll all buy your books. Um, so I'm trying to use Insta Freebie in different ways to market the books. Um, and then there's just things like AMS ads have done really nicely for me and um, just doing, you know, the occasional free day, like um, Book Barbarian promos have done really well for me and free books and things like that. So, you know, I am kind of doing the... Um, you know, the stacking the promos for the free days and things like that. That's worked really well. That I had a really good month last month because of doing a um, what was it, a free book seat and a um, book barbarian. They do one where you can promote two books at once. So you promote book one for free. Book two was on a Kindle countdown, and then I mean, I gave away I think it was five and a half thousand copies of Wizard of the Wasteland um, in a couple of days, and then 
obviously all the Kindle Unlimited reads and um, buy-throughs for book two. You know, that was a great month. So, yeah, it's been really good. And are you exclusive with Amazon? Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I want to go wide eventually. It's just um, the, especially with writing in post-apocalyptic, I think a lot of the readers in that genre are in Kindle Unlimited because there's, you know, there's a lot of books and you just get a lot of um, read page reads. And, you know, I think, well, December was my worst month and that was only kind of propped up because of KU reads. I think I sold something like a hundred copies of the first book, well, all the books overall, but then, you know, I think the um, KU Rees kind of made it up to kind of maybe triple that. So it was, you know, it was well worth being in it for that. Um, long term, I mean, I've said it before, I want to be, you know, wider. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's unless somebody comes along with a business model that is going to kind of compete with that, it's it's a really hard proposition for authors to kind of turn, turn your back on. So... Yeah, it's hard to go cold turkey on KU Reads when you've done a promo and seen you sort of making money on a free book, on a free promo um, through Reads. You know, if you if uh, um, uh, shifting lots of books and then getting the read throughs, it's just intoxicating, really. It's it's um, and as you say, no, no one does anything like it either. And uh, now, Book Barbarian, I don't know anything about, never heard of it. Can you just talk me through that? Because I do like that. Yeah, one two kind it's, of approach. Yeah, so they they just focus on science fiction and fantasy. Um, they're very good. Yeah, um, I don't I, they don't do any other genres, um, but they've got a really good mailing list. And I've I've run promos with them a couple of times, and they've all always shifted a lot of copies. So yeah, really really pleased with them. Um, yeah, now I can't say a bad thing about them. You know, I've tried a few different promo sites now, and I think for what I'm doing anyway, they've they've worked the best. Yeah, Freebooksy. I'm pleased to hear you saying that you like Freebooksy too, because I've always gone very well um, with Freebooksy. I call it the you know the poor man's uh, book, book. <laughs> but 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 it is, isn't it? It's, it? It actually does create, I think, great great traffic and great. You know, you can have a good month with a Freebooksy. I think not an astonishing month, but a good month with a Freebooksy. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I say, with the, with the stacking of that with the book Barbarian, I think you know it, it led to a really good month. So yeah, and because I'd re- I'd just released the um, the box set as well at the end of January, so you know people were either picking up the um, you know the second book and the third book, or they were just going straight for the box set. So that was that was nice. How about um, Amazon Ed? You said they're going uh, well. Are you doing the old Brian Meeks thing, following his book and his technique? You know what I did to start with. Um, but to be honest, I've uh, now it's it's not as um, effective for me to do it that way. Um, I found that basically um, doing an ad with a big, uh, you know, a really large amount of um, authors and titles, and then using that to whittle it down and get you know a focused set of. I think I've got about eighty keywords now that I use, which is. You know, people say, oh, you need at least 400 or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I'm finding 80 that are really focused and really specific that I know have returned in the past are working really well for me. So, yeah, it's it's just a, and it's just about, to be honest, I think getting Amazon to spend your money is you just say that you want to spend a ridiculous amount a day. Um, like, you know, I've got the I, – I always get them mixed up. The ones that – I think it's the product display ads, isn't it, the – 
I get them. And um, they're up. the ones. Mm. Yeah, the, basically the ones that you, you end up having to do a higher bid. Like you know, I say that I want to spend two thousand pounds, well, two thousand dollar budget on those. Um, and I, I did have the realization the other day that if um, my, you know, Amazon decided to cash in on all my bids, I would be bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Probably lose my house, you know. But it's it's nowhere near that at all. What they spend and um so there is a bit of thing i did have the thing the other day though where i had one of my keywords at 24 dollars, not 24 cents so easy to do um yeah so i ended up losing i think it was only 12 dollars, but it was in a matter of hours and it's like right I, I do check them a couple of times a day to kind of keep up so luckily i caught that out but yeah it's just you've got to be so careful because they will just swallow your money if you're not on top of things yeah, it is very unnerving putting those high amounts in. I remember reading Brian Meeks' book because that's probably where you got it from too because I would never have done that if Brian Meeks hadn't mm-hmm. said that's fine. Um, but I, I had forgotten to look at mine the other day. I, um, I'm struggling with them for fiction, but non nonfiction, they're doing fine. But I thought, oh, blimey, I haven't even looked at these things for a while. Uh, I could have spent a fortune for I know, like, like you. Um, so you, you do have to keep your head on it, don't you, in case you uh, have a big spending day. <laughs> Yeah, and I, th- I think as well, just messing around, you know, doing um, A-B testing with different um, copy has really helped me kind of whittle down to a copy that sells as well. Um, I've got one ad running and I don't, I just keep copying it. Like it gets returns of like, you know, when it's the um, percentage and I'm getting like 8%, 6% and it's like the click through and the buy-in is just amazingly high for that. So I'm just keeping that on running. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I call it a magic money tree. That, but that that's the whole yeah. point of um, – it's what um, – who's the guy who does the Facebook ads? Uh, Michael um, – Oh, Mike Cooper, yeah. Michael Cooper, yeah. Um, the, the, the whole point of all the testing that you've done is to get a magic money tree where you just – you know, you shake it, you put you put £10 in, you get £100 back or whatever it is. But that's beautiful marketing. And when you've got one of those, um, you just ramp it up and it's a money machine, which is perfect. Yeah. And what I've done as well is because that particular copy has worked so well because I've got the box set as well, it works on the box set as well. So it's selling that and yeah, it's great. So um, I just, I just want to work out a way that I can get Amazon to kind of spend even more of my money. So that's the issue I'm having. I want, I want them to, but uh, now they're just, yeah, not, they're not biting as much as I'd like, but yeah, returns there. Have you given up with Facebook now, John? Facebook ads. Mm. Um, I, n- I never really used them, to be honest. I I think I spent a bit of time looking at them, and now they're on my list. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll probably be a thing I try later on. Um, I think my next thing that I want to focus on is the BookBub um, targeted pay per click ads. I think they've got a lot of potential in terms of. Um, I'm thinking of them in terms of launch and kind of lasering in on particular authors. I want to get. Um, kind of uh, you know the also bought things so i want people who've bought these particular authors um kind of showing up on mine so this is kind of one of the strategies that i'm going to be using with the black death series is i've got about five post-apocalyptic authors in mind who are doing very kind of similar things who are doing well and i'm just going to kind of laser in on those and i don't even mind making a loss on this to start with just to kind of get that kind of data going if you know what i mean so amazon will show it to the right people and yeah hopefully they'll do the rest of the work have you tried um a book ad yet have you have you pitched in and have been not back I, i've 
I've been not. I get knocked back every few weeks. I think so. Yeah, I've tried a few times. Yeah, it's. Um, I will see. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the thing. I think we all want, isn't it? And I mean, how how long did it take you to get it? I think, you know, event, eventually, I'm sure I'll get one, and I'm sure it'll help when I do. But um, yeah, I'm just finding other ways to just kind of reach the right fans, and um, I'm, I don't know. I'm a lot. I'm a lot pickier. I think I've I've got the kind of thing of. Um, I'm really not wanting people who this book isn't going to be right to, to almost, you know, I don't even want them to try it. <laughs> um, I want to kind of reach the right people and, you know, continue to do that because then I can get the better reviews and things like that. So yeah, I think my focus now is to focus, you know, is to kind of work out who exactly my audience is and yeah, reach out to them in different ways. Yeah, I think the um, I, I've struggled with sci-fi with the book bub, but then I was looking at um, Craig Martell. I think he's up something like sixty-eight, sixty-nine. I think rejections, and and here he is, you know, a massive author, and, and he can't get a, a book bub, which seems crazy to me um, that they wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, I've struggled with the I say I've struggled with the sci-fi. I've only had about five knockbacks, so um, I've got a long way to go yet before I'm at Craig's uh, levels. Um, but it, I think um, I think you have to watch bookbubs in that they they're very very good and you can't really knock them. But um, you know the deception is is they don't make an author career. They 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 might give you a month you know a couple of good months, but they're, mm. what you're doing is is the grunt work, which is to find your audience. And this goes back to the is it hundred thousand true fans, whatever it is. Um, Th- yeah, thousand true fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I, I I I think yours is the sort of cannier long-term option no one's going to knock a book bub but i think i do think yours is the cannier long-term option because you know a book bub's like a fair weather friend is that it yeah you know it's great when you're having a laugh in the pub but it forgets you the next day (laughs) and um and then you're still left with no fans you know no no mates i mean i think i I don't know if i mentioned this before i think i think i did but you know this for me i've i've got a five-year kind of game with this i've got a five-year plan to to build my author career so you know, I'm not seeing this as I need to rush into getting this thing now, 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 you know, this is going to be a long tail, but, you know, building up and building foundations and, you know, getting the right people onto my mailing list and getting people engaged with the things like the podcast and hopefully the new podcast that's coming will develop a really kind of unique tribe of people as well. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of trying to find out who my readers are and, uh, you know, bring them along really. <laughs> And I got to say to you, with that in mind, that um, a book like Blind Gambit to me um, has trad all over it. I think. I I think you're right. I think that that is the type of thing that I probably should have pitched as you know to an agent or something like that. But um, I think basically the doing nothing with the Guardian, um, you know, it's almost that gave me the kick up the arse I needed to basically put the thing on pre-order. Um, so I did this thing with the Guardian. I At the end of the piece, I just wrote, you know, about Blind Gambit. I put a note about it. Unfortunately, when the article came out in the paper, it just had John Cronshaw is an author. Um, so, <laughs> Hooray! so I was very disappointed with that. You yeah. know, that was. But, you know, now it kind of it, it's kind of uh, given me the the kick that I needed to get this thing finished because, you know, there's all these other projects that I could potentially do that aren't as 
emotionally draining. So, you know, I've got the first draft done now, so that's the hard part out of the way. It could still go, I mean, you could still put it through Tread, though, couldn't you, even though it's been um, self-published? Because, uh, as I said to you earlier, to me, it's got all the makings, this one, of, mm. uh, you know, and, and I... And I and I can see that, um, you know, an agent would look at that. And, and so, you know, so long as you shared your, your story, your personal situation, it just, it's a, it's a beaut, I think, for, for trad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I think, um, I think my mindset has changed a little bit in terms of, um, looking at a traditional publishing deal, um, in the sense that I would be open to one. Um, this is one thing that I wouldn't mind with my second fantasy series. Like, I think I am going to pitch that around because it's another way to kind of feed back to what I'm doing as a self-published author. Um, and it's almost giving the, I don't know, you know, there's, there's still a lot of pre- prejudice to get over with indie publishing. So if I can get, uh, you know, a series out through a traditional publisher into bookshops and things like that, then it's only going to grow my um you know my business on the whole so yeah uh, that's what i would like to do i think you're you're kind of looking at a similar thing aren't you with um what is it bloodhound i want to say the bloodhound books yeah well it, it makes yeah. perfect sense to me when you get like like I mean, you and i have been you know reasonably prolific in a fairly short time um and um I think you sort of get to a point where you say, you know what, well, I, I don't seem to be able to move this on myself, but it makes all the sense in the world to me. It wouldn't have done, but it does now to sort of think, well, if I had one or two books sort of hybrid with a traditional and they were pushing me through their focus channels, it would be sci-fi for you, you know, thrillers for me, that all that's mm. going to do is bring people into my 70% commission books. It's good to, it's good to drive, <laughs> it's good to drive my platform. And to me, I'm beginning to see it now, not like, oh, I wouldn't do trad, but I'm seeing it like I might do Facebook ads and AMS. It's a different platform that I could use to bring people yeah. to my books. But it only makes sense to me because, because I've got so many books now. Um, and it, it worked yeah. for me now. And I think, I think that's the position I want to be in with it, to be honest as well. Um, the, I mean, I've got, I've got a really, I, I think it's a really cool idea for a fantasy series, but it's one of these ones that isn't as, um, you know, the kind of commercial side of fantasy that works really well on, um, on Kindle. It's, it's a very unusual fantasy that I think will work for, a, you know, a, a publisher like Orbit or someone like that who do, more interesting kind of off the wall stuff. Um, but the, yeah, it, it is about this. Um, just, I want to do things like get into conventions and panels and things like that, where I can talk to fans. I can talk to other authors and it's, I think it's a lot more difficult to do that at the moment in the author than if I just go, look, I, I would like to do a workshop at your uh, convention. Um, I'm an indie author, I'm self-published, and I'll just go, mm, no, you're all right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm starting to kind of make headway into that with things locally, like the Steampunk Festival and stuff like that. So, you know, I've, I'm just going to kind of see it as a building up, again, this kind of platform of public appearances and readings and things like that. So, yeah, it's just part another another part, another way of getting people to see who I am and what I'm doing. Well, I, I want to congratulate you on, on just the you know the stunning amount of work you're producing, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy you know following you on social media, on your blog, and everything like that, and and picking up the tips, and it gives me ideas. But I, so I love what you're doing, and congratulations on your you know just tremendous output. It's just brilliant to watch. Um, 
when I speak to you in another six months, nine months' time, where do you think you're going to be? Okay, well, what's that? That's December, isn't it? Blimey. Um, hopefully by then I'll have, you know, maybe seven or eight of these Otaku on writing short story collections out. We'll have the Black Death trilogy. will be coming out probably in June. So another three novels. I'll have Blind Gambit out. I'll have hopefully made lots of appearances on like BBC Breakfast and things like that. Um, let's think what else. Um, yeah, we've got a another collaborative series that we've come up with that is um, kind of Space Marine series that is um, more novellas, you know, and it's going to be kind of rapid release novellas thing. Um, and I can't really say much about that yet because... You know, it's it's very top secret, but it's going to be really cool. So I'm very looking forward to that. And we've already got um, two ideas for spin-offs in the same universe. So, you know, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on with that. Um, I also want to write Wasteland Book 4, and I've just bought the cover for that and for the first book in my, what I'm calling my Ravenglass Chronicles, which is a fantasy series that I've probably been world-building for about five years now. So I'm going to finally pull the trigger on that and, write that probably first half of next year because it's going to be a bit of an epic. So, yeah, I think that's where we'll be. Well, it makes me tired just listening to that list of John. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with it all. And just remember, you heard it here first, Blind Gambit, right? That's going to be a breakthrough. That was John Cronshaw talking to me for episode 109 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. Now, this Wednesday, the 4th of April, is the two-year anniversary of this podcast. It's just like when I started blogging, I hadn't got a clue where this particular adventure was going to lead me. And so far, it's resulted in 109 author interviews and 94 podcast diaries. And there's nobody more astounded by those numbers than I am. To mark the occasion, I'm going to be releasing a special two-year anniversary edition of the podcast on Wednesday, the 4th of April, 2018. And the guests will be me. I've asked several of the authors who I've got to know really well through this podcast to interview me just to pose a couple of questions. So there'll be something a little bit different on the two-year anniversary of self-publishing journeys. Watch for it dropping into your podcast feed this coming Wednesday. I'll see you then and bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week. <laughs>